Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. Right here on 830 WCCO, somebody walked into the studio we haven't seen in ages. Julie Weisenhorn's back with us. Good to see you, Julie. It's great to be back here. You've been gone for a while. I know you've had uh, things to do. You've been traveling. It's been quite a fall. Yeah, I have to say that. Yeah. So it's now you're back fun. home and uh, back back to work here. Yeah, I was out in Hawaii at the Big Island. Tough, tough, tough job. Duty. Somebody yeah. had to do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we had the uh, Association of let's see, was the American Society of Horticultural Science mm. uh, conference out there, and it was great. I've I've been to Oahu and I've been to Maui with Carl, uh, but had not we neither one of us had been to the Big Island. He went along with me. All right, and um, and we it, it was fascinating. I mean, it was just learning about the volcanic activity and um, all of the shoreline and how it changes from lava fields mm-hmm. to these lush jungles to it, all the history. We had a one of the tours that I I uh, helped lead was on. Uh, we went to a coffee plantation, the Black Sands Beach, an orchid grower. Mm. Ah, so excited. And then a couple of public gardens. And the tour guide we had, it was a long day. It was almost 11 hours. Um, the tour guide was from Mankato, Minnesota. No kidding. Small world. Yeah, Chris. And he, uh, through his life, he had gone, lived in Japan. He spoke Japanese fluently. Um, and so he did a bang-up job on that. He talked for 11 hours, wow. with the exception of when we were on our tours at the locations. He did a, a tremendous job telling us the history of the island and everything. You were there for quite a while, too, weren't yeah, you? We were there for about eight days. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it, it was a great tour. He just did a wonderful job and answered a lot of questions that we'd been kind of rolling around in our heads for the past few days. Oh, neat. Yeah, it was oh. great. Got to see a lot of colleagues from around the nation and uh, co-presented at a workshop. I had a couple of posters that I brought from our team, um, led a couple of tours. It was great. Well, it's good nice time. to have you back. It's always Thanks. good to be back Thanks. home. Thanks, yeah. yeah. Yeah, though I could have stayed a little bit longer. <laughs> I had a lot more to look at. The secret is out. <laughs> right. Well, if you have a question for uh, Julie, if you have a lawn or garden type of question, uh, that's what this hour is about, and it is brought to us by the good folks down near Jordan, Minnesota, called By the Yard, that make the best patio furniture in the whole world, and we appreciate the, the sponsorship of this, uh, this show, making it happen. Uh, 651-989-9226. That's the phone number if you want to call in uh, your question for Julie. Otherwise, you can send Julie a text at 81807-81807. We had a nice text from Jim. 
in northwest Minneapolis, the Victory neighborhood. Always look forward to Saturdays on the Smart Garden Show. No frost oh, yet nice. in the Victory neighborhood. Nice. So thanks for that, thanks, Jim. Jim. Appreciate yeah. that. Well, it's 48 degrees, and we're supposed to be 58 today. So, uh, But uh, it's it's coming. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Bound it's to slowly do that. but surely. It's supposed to get warmer next week, though. It is. I think Tuesday may be 70. Yeah. Uh, listeners should take a look at Mark Seeley's Weather Talk blog. comes out every Friday. Mark Seeley's our climatologist okay. in extension. And uh, he was writing about October has been one of the wettest. Let's see. What did he say? The trend is wetter than normal, uh, which is hard for farmers. They're trying to get the sure. crops in, but really good for our soil moisture for replenishing it for next spring's crops. So that's great. Uh, but he's looking at a drier, warmer next week, above normal. Um, that's a great uh, – just Google Mark Seeley Weather Talk and pop right in there. And, and he's a, he, a wealth of knowledge just a, and a super guy to boot. That's well, that's really, kind of neat. Yeah. His name again? Mark Seeley. Mark Seeley. Yes. We'll have to remind folks that. 651-989-9226. Let's, I'll tell you what. Let's take a, a call from Fairfax. Bernice has been waiting there. Bernice, you're on with Julie. Hi, Julie. Hello. I am uh, wondering what I can spray my plants with that I want to bring in. We've had a lot of earwigs here this summer, okay. and I want to make sure I don't bring any of those in the house. Okay, well, I, this is a great opportunity for me to talk about bringing plants in. I'm glad you asked that question because that is a concern that when you bring in those house plants that have been sitting outside uh, in for the winter that you're going to have a bunch of critters coming in with you. And uh, and one thing about earwigs is they like damp, dark locations. So uh, particularly you see them when you move pots around outside and they're tucked underneath the pot. Um, you can also repot your plants. It's a great opportunity to actually bring your plants in and, and does a couple things. One is it replenishes the soil. You're putting in fresh soil. Uh, you can also have the opportunity to wash your pots, which removes any insect eggs that might be uh, adhered somewhere under the rims or edges of the pots. And then you also eliminate the that chance that you're bringing in any insects uh, that may have uh, maybe hiding in the soil or in the leaves of the plants. You also get a chance to look at your plant. You take it out of the plot, out of the pot, turn it upside down, look at the leaves, clean off all that debris that's accumulated over the past month or so and then repot it. And so um, you can take a look at the roots, too, which is also beneficial. Sometimes those roots get a little, uh, you know, over. it's overgrown, or there's there's other things uh, that you want to do is, you know, un- unt- untwine them from each other. So I would say uh, if you've had a lot of earwig issues or you've had spiders or you've seen a lot of insect activity on your plants, take take this opportunity to repot your plants before you bring them into the house. But if you are going to use some kind of insecticide, like you always suggest, right. read. Yeah, the read the label. If you really, if that's just not doable, and you want to be sure, you got to look for a, a product that actually is going to treat that particular insect. So earwigs, in in this case, but earwigs, I, usually it's kind of a more of a environment issue than it is uh, they're going to be uh, really uh, living in your plants. So yeah. they're so big, you can see them. That's one of the good things about them. But uh, if there is anything good about them, but <laughs> but. Um, but it really, yeah, if you are going to treat your plants with anything, um, and particularly if they're herbs and they're edible, you got to be sure that they're on the label. You have to see that plant on the label of whatever it is that you're, you're spraying. Plus, you have to see the pest. So you got two things to look for on that and follow the instructions. That's the law. 
All right, Julie, hang on. We'll take a bit of a break here. We've got callers on the line. Don't go away. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with more Smart Garden here on A3OWCCO. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden show here on A3OWCCO. Danny, along with Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M is back. Yeah. After a, a long absence, well, you were busy, <laughs> but uh, we missed you, so you're back at it. Well, we schedule these out, our team, you know, many oh, yeah. months in advance. And I think I just slid through the cracks in a couple places, <laughs> but, but there were there were things that I, I was you not had able to, do. to be here. Yeah. Uh, we're glad to see you now. All right, let's get to put you back to work. Uh, Marilyn is on the phone from uh, Long Prairie, I think. Marilyn, you're on uh, okay. with Julie. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Sure. I have two beautiful, large diplodelia plants, and I'd like to keep them during the winter. Is there anything I can do? I mean, will they winter over in a warmer place? And then I have a begonia plant in a pot. Uh, What do I do with those bulbs? Well, are they tuberous begonias? Yes. Okay, so you can you can uh, take them out of the pot and clean off the soil and put them in a a paper bag and a dark, cool location. You can, uh, if you have a heated or semi-heated area, say your garage or your basement is cool, you can leave them in the pot and just put them into the dark and let them rest. Uh, those are a couple of options. Uh, let the leaves just and the branches just you know fall off, and, and you can just cut those off as they die back. The diplodelia, um, Give me a little bit more about that plant. I'm not, I'm not picturing it in my head. Well, it's uh, a pink flowering kind of viney plant. It likes warm weather, and that's really all I know about it. I can't find any information on it. It gets bushy. It's about uh, three feet tall and maybe two to three feet wide, and it's full of pink blossoms. Oh, nice. It looks kind of like a morning glory flower. Okay. Uh, if it's a vine, uh, as it stops blooming, you could you could try cutting it back. I'm thinking of like also a mandevilla, how I would overwinter a mandevilla, which is a vining, flowering. It does look like that. Yeah, so uh, I'm kind of thinking I know what it is now. Um, uh, I think the best thing to do with that is is as the is to bring it in and keep it in uh, a, a relatively sunny location. And uh, so if you have a nice southern window or even a, a easterly window, you know, something that gets a decent amount of sun, I think that's going to be your drawback. You'll probably see a lot of leaf drop on it. And uh, you maybe want to trim it back as you see that. Keep it moist. Um, I don't know if I would fertilize it very much. Maybe a weak fertilizer as you water it. Uh, but I think it's going to be the light is going to be your restriction. Um, and then as it gets, as our days get longer in the late winter, early spring, uh, maybe you'll start to see a little bit of new uh, leafing out go. So you could give it a try. It's always w- worth it if you've really enjoyed that plant. But I think it should be okay if it has a f- enough light. Very good. All right. Good luck with th- that, Marilyn. Thanks for the call. Let's see, 651-989-9226. We'll grab some text messages in just a moment. That number is 81807. Terry is calling from Bloomington with a question. Good morning, Terry. Good morning. Good morning. How can we help you? Uh, I have five globe arborvitae that are about three years old, 
And the previous ones, the rabbits killed them over the winter, taking shelter and eating the bottom branches. But I'm wondering about uh, covers for the um, arborbite covers for the uh, shrubs that tie around the bottom that are specifically made for arborbite or little bushes. Uh, I'm wondering about those opposed to uh, putting uh, fencing around them. Well, the the I think what you're talking about is when people wrap them in bar, like a burlap product, and they uh, they kind of form fit them to the plant. Um, I doubt you'll find a cover that fits exactly around your your plant tightly. Um, that is, people mostly do that if those plants are planted close to a street or uh, if they're planted in a, uh, on a southern location where they might have some tip burn, uh, where the foliage turns brown, where it might be sprayed by salt. It's to protect the tree from, from that. Um, if it's rabbit issues, fencing is going to be your best bet. The wrapping it probably isn't going to help too much. Uh, those rabbits can chew through a lot of things if they really want to. And uh, and really, it isn't necessary if it's just rabbits. So fencing, the fencing I always recommend is is called hardware cloth, and uh, it's very small grid. It, and I would get tall stuff like four or you know four foot at least, because you also have some. If we get a decent amount of snow, that snow you know level rises, and those rabbits are lightweight. They can sit right on top of that snow when it crusts over and nibble away at those branches. So you want to have tall fencing, relatively tall. It will also help if you have deer issues too. That you'd have to have really tall fencing. So, um, but the deer like to nibble on them. Also, they can turn them into mushrooms, mushroom-shaped plants in no time. Mm. So, fencing is going to be the key. And when you install that fencing, bury it down in the soil a little bit around it, so that it's it's not just sitting on the soil. And the reason for that is those little critters can crawl right underneath if you have a gap between the soil and the fence bottom. So, you want to bury it down in. You want to get tall fencing. Use some good sturdy poles. You can use fence posts. You can use uh, sturdy garden stakes, whatever it is. And then just uh, enclose those plants completely, whether it's individually or if they're in a big clump. You could do it around the whole thing. Okay. Very good. Uh, nice text that we got from, uh, uh, it doesn't give it the name, but uh, from uh, just east of Tacoma, Washington, listening online, enjoying the show. Nice. 32 degrees hey, there. Tacoma. Eek, they said. Enjoying the show online, <laughs> and yeah, they'll be her. probably pulling tomato plants today. Yeah, it might be time for some sauce. So nice to hear uh, folks uh, listening online from That's Tacoma, cool. Washington. Check mark there. When is the best time to cut back Japanese iris? Have you heard of a Japanese? Well, one? there's uh, bearded iris, which are German, actually, uh, and then there's Siberian iris, and that might be what they're talking about. Um, uh, si- if it's Siberian iris, they're the tall, very thin um, clump. Form of iris, uh, the irises, uh, they're called blue flags or yellow flags sometimes, and uh, they bloom in the mm, probably around early June or so. Um, you can you can cut those back. I would just let them die back, and then I would cut them back okay. because as long as they're green and we're still going to have some warm weather, sure. they're still photosynthesizing and creating energy in those that root system and building that for next year. Also, uh, and and uh, so just wait till they die back and then turn brown and then and cut them off. Back to the phones we go, Julie. Jean is calling from Egan. Jean, you're on with Julie. Good morning. Good morning. We're starting a um, project next 
spring we haven't renewed our um, mulch in a long time, so okay. we've got to put that down. Sure. And in the past, we've used cypress. I'm just wondering if there's a difference of using different types of mulch around particular plants or around pine trees, or, or does it not matter what type of mulch you choose? Okay, well, first of all, way to go on mulching. Uh, particularly around woody plants. It's a really, uh, there's many, many benefits of mulch. It helps to hold in moisture. It helps to moderate soil temperatures. It protects roots from compaction. It eliminates the need to mow over tree roots and around tree stems. So that's great. Um, There's a lot of different kinds of mulch, everything from, as you mentioned, cypress to some of our hardwood, shredded wood mulch that uh, we get at our local uh, mulch locations here. Uh, a lot of uh, some of the municipalities have places where people bring their Christmas trees and yard waste and they'll top grind it down to create a shredded uh, mixture of mulch. Some people don't mind that. It's Sometimes it's free, which is great. Uh, sometimes you have to have a trailer to get it. Uh, and then you can also buy commercial mulch like the Cypress. And, and, uh, and then there's also dyed mulches, which there's no research that says that dye is detrimental. Uh, the one thing about dyed mulches is that you need to realize that they're going to fade. If you like red mulch, okay, um, but it's going to turn a pretty pale color after a while, and you're going to have to replenish it. And when you replenish mulch, you want to you want to be sure that you're not just heaping it on top of everything else. You want to spread out what you have. Some of it might have accumulated in low areas. Spread it out, and then uh, don't heap that mulch around the base of the plants. You want to pull it away from trees and shrubs, like almost like a foot, because it allows for uh, it, it allows for airflow around that trunk. Uh, it also uh, will uh, prevent any kind of what we call volcano mulch, which is the mulch gets heaped up around that base, and that can increase uh, rooting in those areas that are buried by the mulch, which is not what we want in those plants. We want the roots down below that root flare. So uh, you can do a lot of things with mulch in that respect. With wood mulch, you do not need landscape fabric underneath it. Do not use black plastic. That is an absolute no-no. And landscape fabric uh, is good if you're using rock mulch. And rock mulch, some people say, oh, but it it heats up the soil. It gets too hot. It doesn't. It's, It's a fine mulch to use. You don't have to replenish it, but it is really hard to remove once you oh, put it boy. down. So that's and, oh. and the reason we we uh, that the practice is to put landscape fabric under rock mulch is to prevent that rock from working its way into your soil, because then you really have a headache on your hand. So yeah, everyone's nodding. Denny's nodding. We're oh, like, oh been yeah, there. been there. Move it's that never stuff. Ending. It's never ending. Yeah. So. Uh, there's my mulch uh, talk, but uh, good for you. But you can choose a lot of different kinds of mulch, even rubber mulch, synthetic mulch. Oh, yeah, I've heard about that. Mm-hmm. Julie, we have to take a break. We have uh, more show to come. Don't go away. Those folks on the line, hang on. We'll get your questions answered and your text questions as well. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our Smart Garden Show brought to us every Saturday by those folks down in Jordan, Minnesota, called By the Yard, that family-run business that makes that great patio furniture. We'll talk about that. Coming up in a matter of minutes or so, Julie Weisenhorn's back with us yeah. from the U of M and uh, Hawaii and all those. Mahalo. Places. Mahalo. WCCO for having extension on here. <laughs> we appreciate it. Well, we appreciate you guys, I too. learned a couple Hawaiian words. That's good, yeah. Thank There's you. a whole alphabet. I think that's the most important one. <laughs> yes. Mahalo. Uh, Marie is calling from Anoka, has been on the line there. Thanks for your patience, Marie. How can we help you? Hi. Hi. Uh, I- I bought a winter hardy hibiscus at yes. a garden store. 
Um, is it too late to plant it out in the garden, or should I just kind of save it in the basement and plant in the spring? It's really big. It, <laughs> the pot is really big and heavy. They've trimmed it back okay. you know, for like two feet. I think I would try to plant it now. Um, I I suspect, uh, based on the weather talk uh, that I spoke on earlier, that uh, we're going to still see some warm enough days for that plant to get established with the roots. That's that's the tricky part about this time of year in planting perennials, is that uh, you need to have enough time for that plant to to establish its roots going into the into the winter. But I think I would try that now, um, keeping it over the winter uh, in the basement. You, you know, um, it, I think that's almost harder on it. So I would I would give it a whirl. You, be sure that you water it well. If we get into drier conditions, you don't want the roots to dehydrate in the soil. But we've had a lot of rain, and I, I guess um, I don't know what the long-term forecast is, but um, I well, would give it a whirl now. Uh, it's probably a good point, Julie, because I'm looking at the, this week's forecast. Oh, yeah. So Monday, 61 for a high, 70 Tuesday, <laughs> 71 <laughs> Wednesday, 70 Thursday, 74 Friday. So You uh, know, I don't know what clothes to have in my closet anymore <laughs> like sweater t-shirt it's sandals true. it's true because given that yeah. yeah in fact i don't my see boots out not my boots after this weekend i don't really see at least at this point yeah. any uh, mention of rain right through friday i think you could squeak that hibiscus yeah. in the ground i think you're, I think you're right <laughs> yeah good All luck right. with it text number is 81807 text says is it possible to grow a peppercorn plant indoors to make my own black pepper oh well you can grow anything indoors the point is, is can you have it be pollinated if it requires pollination? Ah. Well, first of all, will you have enough light for it to flower? Second of all, can you pollen, get it pollinated? I, th- I think a peppercorn probably needs pollination. I've, I've never grown one. Uh, and, uh, and, then sec- and then last but not least, will it actually fruit and produce it? So you can try it. Um, I would order seeds from uh, – I wouldn't go and plant your peppercorns from the grocery store. Sometimes you know, they've been dried or oh, sure. treated in some way. So, but yeah, give it a whirl. You can grow a, a citrus tree in your house, but will it flower? No, got to have enough light. Yep. So, and then you have to hand pollinate it. I have, Texture <laughs> says, a magnolia tree about nine feet tall that I would like to trim a few of the lowest branches. When should I do this? Uh, you should do that right after it blooms. So not now because you'll be, uh, unless you don't care about cutting off flower buds because it's set the buds now for next year. And uh, and if you trim them now, you'll trim off flower beds. But if if those branches are in the way, or you need to get behind, you know, underneath it for some reason, then and you don't care about that, then you could go ahead and trim it. Another text message, Julie says, "Is it too late to divide daylilies?" Uh, I think I think considering the forecast yeah. and the fact that daylilies are hard to kill, I think you could go ahead and do that and divide them now. They're easier to divide in the spring. Same with hosta. Same with uh, any of these other uh, hardy perennials because the plants are smaller. You know, right now you've got a lot of greenery to work around. Uh, you don't want to cut it off because, as I said earlier, it's photosynthesizing and putting uh, nutrients and energy into the root system. But, you know, if, if, it's, if it's a matter you have to look at, you know, are we doing a construction project and I'm going to lose them if I don't uh, move these plants or divide them now. Or they're really huge and I'd like some room next spring. Yeah, you could do them now. It's just a little bit harder. Our phone number is 651-989-9226. Text number 81807. Back to the phones, Julie. Dwayne is calling from Chanhassen. Uh, go ahead, Dwayne. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Um, you were just talking about hibiscus plant. If you were going to plant that outside, where would you plant it? 
I would plant it in a large space because it's a big plant, as she mentioned, and I would put it in full sun where it's going to get at least eight hours of sunlight throughout the day. Okay. That will get the best blooms. Thank you, Dwayne. Uh, years ago, Texter says, I used to bring tea roses in and put it in the basement for the winter. They would drop all leaves, continue to grow slowly, but be spindly. How do I keep them looking healthy? Yeah, good question. Uh, tea roses are full sun plants, and light is our biggest limiting factor when it comes to our house plants and, and moving plants. When you move plants indoors, uh, you've changed the light, the amount of light that it has. That's why they drop leaves. Uh, they become spindly because they are uh, have reduced light. And uh, the best, if you were going to keep them looking good, you'd have to have a full-blown greenhouse. That's the nature of tea roses. They're not going to look good growing in your front window of your house. So you can continue to do that. You can also do the Minnesota tip method. There's a great publication on that on the Extension website, which we haven't even mentioned yet. My goodness, it's extension.umn.edu. Click on the Garden tab and go to Yard and Garden. And uh, and so look up the Minnesota tip method for roses. It's a tried and true method. They do it at the Arboretum at the Wilson Rose Garden, which is the formal rose garden. Uh, and thank you, by the way, to the Rose Society that all of the volunteers that go out and help with that. That is tremendous. Uh, lots of volunteers at the Arboretum. Um, but that uh, so that's the nature of tea roses is that you really should bury them outside and not try to grow them through the winter. It gives them a chance to rest, too. Plants put a lot of energy into growing, and, and winter is a time for them to go dormant and rest. But you need to protect those tea roses. Before we go back to the phones, Julie, let's grab another text. It says this, I planted a northern red maple 25 feet from a black walnut 20 years ago. Well, now the crown of the maple uh, is near and partially under the walnut, and where that occurs... The maple leaves turn brown and die this time of year. Other leaves get red. Is it likely the walnut is affecting the red maple, do you think? Boy, um, that is a question because of the proximity of these two plants for an arborist, a certified arborist. We do have a publication on our extension site on how to hire one. My first thought is that because it's shaded, those leaves just turn brown and fall off, Um, that there's maybe not... A detrimental situation. Not all plants are affected by black walnut. We have a great uh, publication called The Best Plants for 30 Tough Sites, and it has a list of plants that are, are resistant to black walnut, I think, or that are affected. I can't remember which list it is. But uh, but my first inclination would be because it's shaded, it's just they just don't get light to turn red. That's what's, you know, that's those leaves that are exposed are going to have the best color. Um, but again, Good question. If you for want to be sure. And, good. and it sounds yeah. like that's just going to be how it is because you're not going to move that maple tree right. or the walnut tree. Get a hold of a certified arborist. Yep. Adam in St. Paul is next on the phone. Uh, thank you for waiting, Adam. What's your question? I have a stephanotis plant, and it's growing beautifully, but some of the leaves are turning yellow. I wonder why. Uh, it could be due to excessive water. Is it in a container or in the garden bed? It's in a container. Okay. So I would take a look at the, you might want to take an opportunity to replant it, repot it, and uh, and then to make sure that you use a pot that has very good drainage. Um, and uh, also that uh, that the soil that you're using is a good lightweight uh, garden soil, or, or not garden soil, but potting soil. And take a look at the roots, because if they've been overwatered, if it's been sitting outside, 
uh, say on a patio or a deck or something, we've had a lot of rain. And if it hasn't been draining well, or if it's been sitting in water, if it's in a saucer and it sits in water after the rain, uh, that, that means those roots are just wet all the time. And sometimes that can cause root rot. The other thing, too, is if it's been outside and it's sensitive to cold, we had a couple of days that were frosty. And if it wasn't protected, it could have just, uh, you know, that could, it could be kind of going dormant now at this point. Okay. Hang on, Julie. Quick break is in store. We have more show to come, though. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And good morning. Welcome back to CCO's Smart Garden Show. Julie Weisenhorn from U of M is with us good morning. at last. She's been gone for a while helping us out, and, uh, and we're glad uh, you're back. Now, Al has been sitting there in Richfield waiting to ask you All a right, question. Al. Al, what's your question for Julie? Hi, Julie. Hi, Denny. Good morning. morning. I have an ash tree out in my front yard, and it's got some low branches on it. And I'm just wondering if I would be able to trim some of those off or if that would make it more susceptible to the emerald ash borer. And if I could trim them, when would be the best time? That's a great question, Al. Um, We could have a whole show on emerald ash borer. But I will tell you this. you You can trim it now. That's fine. And trimming an ash tree does not uh attract the emerald ash borer. There's other things working um, that uh, cause that little insect to infest a tree. But, yes, you can trim them now. If you have some time and you want to learn a little bit more about emerald ash borer and how it moves and how the insect lives, go to the Minnesota Department of Ag website. You can get there from our site at extension.umn.edu. Click on the garden tab. You can just type in emerald ash borer as well, U of M. And uh, and you can learn a lot about how the insect moves. We are responsible for moving that insect. We have moved enough wood around <laughs> that uh, we have transferred it. That's why sometimes you'll see in the news that, uh, you know, while we've had it in the metro area for a while, all of a sudden it'll pop up in a county that's not even close to Hennepin County or Ramsey County. And a lot of it has to do with mechanical movement Hmm. of wood. And that's why the MDA is always saying, do not move firewood. Do not move fire. Burn it where it is. You know, don't take it to your cabin. Don't bring it from your cabin. You just don't know what you're bringing along. So that's a good practice either. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Thanks, Al. Appreciate the call. Texter says, how to treat the soil beneath a pine tree so grass can grow? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, grass, we have lots of different grass species, as Sam Bauer, our, our turf grass expert, would tell you. Um, grass grows best in full sun. Uh, our Kentucky bluegrass mixes that we have in our traditional lawns around Minnesota is a full sun grass species. You need to grow it in full sun. That said, there are other grass species like fescues, fine fescues, that do tolerate and grow fairly well in some shade conditions. Uh, so, uh, if you're, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise growing grass under trees because, uh, first of all, you're going to have to mow it and that mower activity, that mowing activity can be detrimental to the health of the tree. You're walking on, uh, you know, up close to the trunk and where the major roots are. You can damage the tree trunk by dinging it with your mower inadvertently, of course, um, it's better to mulch under trees than to try to grow grass. And there's nothing to treat the soil with. Um, you don't want to be treating the soil in that respect to try to grow grass. It's, it's just not a very good practice. It's not sustainable. It's a lot of work, too. You're going to have to really 
be diligent in uh, taking care of that little patch of grass when put down some nice, good-looking mulch. It'll show off the tree and eliminate and lower your uh, amount of labor that you have to spend. Sounds good. Better for the tree health, too. Speaking of grasses, is it too late, Texas, is to transfer a grass plant to another area? So I, I'm guessing transplanting it, moving yeah. it? Uh, no, you could still do it now. Um, it looks like we're going to have some warm weather. And as I said earlier about the hibiscus is that the, the tricky part with this time of year is you want to have enough time for those perennial roots to get established before they move into dormancy and into our winter. So, But it looks like you know that has to do with temperatures, soil temperatures, sunlight, you know, all of that, the warmth. And I think it sounds like you could probably do that. Grasses are pretty tough, too. Be sure to water them well. Dig the hole nice and big and water them well. See if we can't do a lightning round on some of these texts. What do you right. say? Are you ready? Go. All right. Can we trim our endless summer hydrangeas now? Branches are rubbing our siding. If they're rubbing the siding, yes. Uh, but if you're trying to get blooms, it's better to wait and uh, trim them in the spring. Okay. Will indoor herbs continue to produce more stems indoors, or do you have to replace them? I'm talking about parsley, for example. Uh, parsley will continue to grow. Put it in a sunny window. How to get rid of buckthorn. Oh, oh that's, boy. That's tough Go to stuff. our website and read about buckthorn. Also, the DNR has a good site. So does the MDA. And the, and the website is? Extension.umn.edu. Click on the Garden tab. Go to Yard and Garden. Do you have to cut the flowers off a hydrangea tree? No, I would not. I'd leave them on for the winter. Cut them off in the spring. I love, boy, you're really breezing through Keep these going. things. Come I, on, I'm on a roll. I, I live in Ramsey, and I'm planning to planting some apple trees. When would be the best time to plant them? Uh, you could plant them uh, probably a little bit earlier than this. Maybe September would have been better. Uh, you can plant them in the spring as well. Bare root, you can get bare root apple trees in the spring, and they're cheaper. All right. Uh, Texter says, uh, my short pine tree needles are turning brown and dropping off from the center of the tree out. The branches are looking... Uh, arborist. arborist. Is there anything? Okay. Call in an arborist. A certified arborist yep. is your Extension. best Extension.umn.edu, trees and shrubs. I want to bring my spider plant indoors for the winter. Do I need to do anything special before I do? Clean it up. We talked about that a little bit earlier, about repotting it in some fresh soil and cleaning up any debris. You might want to trim it back a little bit. Oh, my goodness. You're going so fast. I can't read that fast. <laughs> 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 there is a text that goes on. And on. Forever. <laughs> um, does pre-emergent kill quack grass? Hmm. Oh boy, that's a Sam question. It is a Sam uh, question. Visit our lawn care sec- our lawn care page on our extension site. We also have a, a nice lawn care calendar that will tell you when to treat for different kinds of weeds. I think I, I, I think quack grass is a perennial, which means no. Okay. Uh, I have trouble, Texas is growing succulents indoors. I think the pots I use dry out too quickly, but no, I shouldn't overwater. Any tips uh, for Sunshine, succulents? light. You might want to supplement with a grow light. Okay. Uh, the mums on sale now are short and compact. How can the mums in my garden look like that? Cut them in the summer and how short? Actually, when they start to bud out in the summer, you want to pinch them back, and that will create a more compact, bushier plant. And they'll still produce blooms. Uh, how often should I water new sod? There's another Sam question, but I think sod takes water yeah, a lot. You have to water. It? You have to keep it moist. You want to keep that soil to uh, root contact, and, and uh, you need to keep it moist. First of all, I know you can't kill a hosta. 
(laughs) (laughs) But when is the best time to separate them, in the fall or in the spring? Springtime, because they're smaller. And, uh, And then you have the whole season for that plant to establish its root system well. Somebody suggested, as far as the buckthorn, did we ever address that? As far as uh, can you use like Roundup or something like yeah, that? Yeah, you can to... treat it with, you want to treat it with a shrub, uh, something for woody plants. Uh, you want to treat the stumps if you're if you're taking it out. Some of these you can use a puller. There's a tool, it has a fancy name, but it's a puller that will help you pull out the smaller trees. And, uh, and then keep those seedlings weeded out. Learn to identify it. That's probably the best thing to do. This is a good time of year to do it, though, because it's, it's the only thing that's green. Well, and another texture. Right now it's still green. Speaking of the buckthorn, they said, buckthorn, get goats. <laughs> yes, I know. I visited. <laughs> Do the, they eat the, those? I visited the Horst Ruckelbacher farm, and they have goats. They rescued some goats. They were rescue goats. And they've, they're moving a pen around, and they're feeding on the buckthorn. And then the, then the people go in and pull out the stumps. It's really cool. <laughs> I have a great photo. That's neat. I like goats. Julie, it's great to see you. Yeah, we are just about out of time. What do you say one more time? We give the website yeah, for the U of M. Sure enough. Extension.umn.edu. Click on the garden tab. Go to Yard and Garden. Excellent. It's good to see you again. Good to Welcome see you back too. home. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.